What's up, Middle Georgia Dog Pound? Welcome to another edition of the Middle Georgia Dog Pound Live. I'm your host, Brian. My co-host, Matt. Kevin, what's up, guys? What's up, buddy? How we doing? Doing great, doing great. 4-0, my friends. 4-0. We are a third of the way through the season. It seems like we just started yesterday. Uh, don't know where the time has gone, but uh, the weather is cool outside. Uh, all is right in the world now, and uh, we can move forward with uh, keep it on, keep it on to the next game here and make sure the dogs go 5-0. and That's all we are worried about. We ain't worried about nothing else, not looking ahead. We got to get, get through Missouri to get to the Auburn game. So let's get into this thing. What do you say? Let's do it. So a uh, few housekeeping tidbits before we get going here. Uh, as you know, if this is your first time on the show, we definitely want to hear your comments. Uh, please, if, uh, if you're using the Facebook platform, go to StreamYard.com forward, forward slash Facebook to give StreamYard permission to show your, uh, your comment and photo on the screen. Um, definitely want to get your comments. Already got one from Mr. Khaki. Go dogs. That's what I love to see. Glad to see you back, John. And not to forget this, uh, if you have a product or an item that you want to promote on our show, hit us up at middlegeorgiadogpound at gmail.com. That's middle, G-A, dog spelled like it should be, D-A-W-G, pound at gmail.com. All right, so uh, obviously we... Uh, we were all enthralled with the Kent State Golden Flashes. Made a big deal about it. I think we all got in and we all drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid because I did not expect Kent State to score 22 points. What did you guys think? Let me, uh, hey, before we do that, let's just roll those highlights and then we'll get into it. It is time to tee it up between the hedges. Second 10, jet sweep to Bowers. Here he comes, 30, 35, 40, near sideline, 50s. He got the juice. You bet he does. 30, 20, 10, touchdown. They shift a little bit, punt formation. We come after it and block it in the end zone. Javon Walker. Dogs get a safety out of the Javon Walker block punt. See, the freshman from Salisbury, North Carolina, got it easily. And the ball goes bouncing out of the back of the end zone, and Georgia now leads it 9-3. to three. He handed it off to Bowers on the jet sweep to the right. He got in there to the corner. Oh, a little misdirection. We had everything big in the backfield. They just sneak it to Brock Bowers running from left to right across the uh, line of scrimmage, a quick handoff, and he angles into the corner for his second touchdown of the afternoon. Looks to throw, gonna keep it. Dodges a man, reaches across the goal line. Look me deep in my eyes, you really wanna go and spare with me? How can I make you better? He runs it up to the 10 to 15. He spins and he is absolutely assaulted by Keely Ringo. Right on the floor, I'm seizing the moment and knocking his dome and trapping his home. And Ladd makes a rolling, tumbling catch at the Kent State 35 on their sideline. That was one heck of a catch and a great ball, too. The kick by Jack Pond. Leslie is up and good. Edwards to get the first down. He's got it. He breaks free at the 40. 35, 33. They tug him down right there. Retrieving the crowd of a sauna. Bringing the heat like a sauna. I would have been like a normal. Death before the sauna. Dogs break it quickly. I formation. Alexander the full. Milton the tail. Runs in there behind Bear. And touchdown. Kendall Milton got half his body across the plane. And the ball was in there with it. 
Lee drops back on the 15, moves to his right, throws a deep ball right to our guy. Intercepted by Christopher Smith around the 24. Just got to run out of bounds and give it back to the offense. The dogs are able to grind one out here at home against Kent State to make it 39 to 22 the final. Yeah, definitely did not expect that. Um, did not expect us to have to grind one out there, and and uh, especially at home. I mean, it, it was unbelievable to me. I, it just blew me away. I, I'm sitting there in the stands, baking in the sun, turning into the beat of all red beets, and I'm thinking, what in the world did I get myself into? Uh, this is not what I came to watch. I came to watch my third string uh, offense and third string defense out there play and our our guys the starters basically had to play the entire uh the entire game so matt tell me what you thought as you were watching this game what was going through your head man well it's kind of frustrating when i first watched it uh, watching the game was really frustrating uh to see that how much the defense was not as impactful as i would thought they were going to be um, as I rewatched it the next day and kind of went back and looked, um, the score did not reflect, um, honestly, uh, how dominant our team actually was in the field. Um, Y'all would say that sounds crazy, but if you go back and watch the game again and you see how, how they scored, uh, a lot of their scores and then moved the ball was mainly on a one big play. It was a one big run play, that pass play, or it was a one big run play or it was something like the, the interception. So like that was what really got them in the field position. It wasn't like they were grinding the ball down the field on us and just, you know, they had one drive where they did that. I'll be honest. They had one drive that, of course, towards the end of the game where they did a methodical drive down the field. Uh, but other than that, they were not like, you know, first down, first down, first down. Go look at the stats. I mean, we had double the yards they did. We ultimately killed ourselves. If we watched that game, you know, the offense didn't get stopped. We killed ourselves. We fumbled the ball twice. We um, you know, threw an interception. Uh, once again, we didn't punt again. It just tells you our offense is moving the ball. We just same thing that happened with Sanford. Didn't put any end zone for some reason versus we had other teams. So, I mean, I don't know the schemes of what the Kirby and them were doing. I'm not sure we just didn't get up for the game or what it may be, but it was not the team that I was expecting to see coming there and blow out, blow out um, Kent State like I thought. But we saw a team, though, from Kent State who doesn't give up. Saw a team from Kent State who's already played two tough games already, playing Oklahoma and Washington, who before last week were, you know, both of them are, I think Washington's still undefeated. So they played tough games beforehand. When we've been playing some cupcakes, they've been, they have been playing tough, grind out games, and they gave it to us. They said they were ready. And so I think it's a good thing it happened. So do you buy the, the whole notion from Kirby that this Kent State is a really good team? Um, I mean, he, I mean that's, what he, that's how he's trying to spin it. Are you buying that? I am looking at it from the, the standpoint that I would compare them to the UAB of last year we played. We played UAB last year, and they were supposed to be a good team, and, you know, and we beat the crap out of them out, at home. But if you go back and watch that UA team, they won 10 games last year. So I think the chances that this Kent State team goes into their conference play and dominates their conference is very highly uh, highly going to happen. I think this team is built with a bunch of transfers. Um, a lot of guys on that team, you look at that roster, they had tons of players from Georgia on that team. That team's from Ohio, and they had tons of Georgia players there. We know how that is when people, people come back home and want to play and play hard and show this Georgia team, why didn't you recruit me? Why didn't you come after me? And they they, they – they play, you know, balls out the entire time. So I think this team is a, a decent team. I, I, I see them probably, if not winning their conference uh, second or, you know, pretty close to winning the conference that they're in. So I don't think – I think they're better than what people are saying they, that we think that they are. Kevin, do you think uh, Georgia got exposed this weekend? Yeah, I think they got exposed for not being prepared. I think they got exposed for playing down to their opponent. Um, this is one of those games where – um, I think, like you were saying, I think these guys were uh, still a, still asleep. You know, they were thinking about that party that they were going to after this game. And 
I, I think these guys that they they had a wake. I, I honestly, I think this is probably the best thing that could have happened to them is get a wake up call with a team that's like Kent State, where you can beat them not playing your best ball, and you get that wake up call, and you're like, oh well, we got to bring it week in and week out. We can't just take things for granted, and uh, that we're just gonna walk in there and they're just going to lay down because we're the number one team in the land. Um, but, yeah, I think they did get exposed, um, you know, exposed a lot of things to themselves, really, what they need to go back and work on and and mentality that needs to be corrected. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, Matt, what do you say to the folks that have hit the panic button? I, I think that's – I think it's irrational – um, I mean, that's, that's not, that's to me, it's not, not very logical to already hit the panic button. I mean, I know it's saying it, it's just, it's just a one game, you know, one game synopsis or snapshot of what we're even going to have. Uh, I think a lot of things you talked about, think about these guys' heads weren't in the game. Sometimes heart, these guys had a lot of heart and grit and that sometimes will, will make you be better, you know, week to week and then people those with skill. Uh, but once again, I think like like Kevin, right from what Kevin said as well, I think it's a good wake up call for him. But I don't think you know should hit the panic button. Now, if we see this continuing moving forward, like we're seeing teams put twenty points on us every week, then yeah, we need to. Then there's the then here comes where you know um, that defense is not as as good as we thought they are, um, and that's something else we'll go into later on. I guess one more of your questions that we got, but yeah, I just I don't think uh, there's no reason to hit the panic button just yet. I think we just had a sloppy game. And it's not the game we still dominate them. So you you say how you want to say we still kept the team under 100 yards rushing, and and they didn't have and they had less than 200 yards passing. So we I mean that's still a pretty dominant defense no matter what how you put it. Um, when it just comes, it didn't feel like it on the scoreboard. So Kevin, I know Lad McConkey's your guy, man. I know you all talk about him a lot. Um, this is probably the worst game I've seen Lad McConkey play. Um, do you have any concerns going forward with him? Um, I don't. I think that he is um, – his work ethic is going to take him back to square one. He's go back and look at film, look at where his mistakes were. Um, I think it's one of those deals where um, I was listening to Jake Fromm and, uh, earlier this week, and he was saying that every, every player and every team is going to have that one bad game. And I'm just grateful that it's a team that we played in Kent State with that one bad game because I, I did, honestly I don't think that Lad is going to let this happen again. Uh, you saw it on the field; he was totally distraught with himself when he dropped passes, when he fumbled the ball. He was, you know, basically coaching himself up, you know, beating himself up on the sideline that he let his team down. Uh, I think that's just the type of player he is. I think he realizes his mistakes, and I, I don't think you'll see him again. I think you're going to see a actually juiced up, more um, dynamic player, uh, more in tune with what he's supposed to do, and you'll see very, very few mistakes from him for the rest of the season. Well, Matt, what positives can you take away from this game? I mean, I know we talk a lot – we like to hit as as humans – uh, we like to hit on the on the most adverse things that we can find in the game. But what uh, what things did you take away as positives from this game? Mm. I was too hard. Yeah. <laughs> I was really honestly and still impressed with um, with and we I think we talked about earlier about the leadership from Nolan Smith. That joker didn't give up. Even any other guys around him may have not been as focused as as they should have been um he was still you know all over the field making plays trying to get them bust uh, b- boosted up and so uh, i was i was impressed with that um i was impressed um with the commitment to run the ball some more in, the, in this game than we have in the past we had we had some we had a lot we have a lot more efficient runs and i mean to take away even take away you know bowers big time run those running backs had more time. Um, they were running. They were running these little you know, seven, eight yard gashes, which is really good for us. That's really going to open our offense up even more if we can continue that to happen. It's not the running backs of the past where once they got past the linebackers, they were gone. I mean, uh, the Michelle and Gurley and 
and Chubb and Swift days where once they got to the secondary, they were gone. These guys aren't that, that kind of speed like we've had in the past like that, but it's good to see them finally getting hit in some of these holes a little faster, getting their vision back a little bit better, even though it was with Kent State, they they still got in there. Because that, that defensive lineman for Kent State, uh, West, he was everywhere. That joker was playing like he was playing for the NFL. I mean, I'm, I'm good for the guy. I mean, I'm glad he's, he's, he's really committing himself to the game, didn't give up, and he that they were still running the ball pretty well. Well, I know you were talking about Nolan, Nolan Smith's leadership. Um, you know, and I, I wrote this down. I mean, you know, last week South Carolina scored a touchdown against us, and you would have thought that the world came to an end uh, when it comes to Nolan Smith, but yet we turn around and let Kent State score 22 points. I mean, are we missing something with our leadership, or is he the only one that's out there being the leader, you think? No, I think, I think Chris Smith's a leader as well out there. I really just think our youth showed up on defense this time. I mean, if you go back and watch that game, um, uh, I know he's a sophomore, but uh, Lasser was just – he was locked – I mean, he was getting uh, pushed all over the field. He couldn't get off of blocks, and he was missing tackles. And then same thing with Stark. Stark's yeah. missing tackles. It was He's wearing some kind of hand brace or as a – there's a soft cash or something on his hand, so I'm not sure if that affected any of it. Um, but they, those guys look like freshmen out there. And so I think some of that had to do with it. I mean, they weren't like, you know, they've been showing. And, but definitely for me, the Laster did, did looked at his poorest game as well. I mean, like a like Wakonki kind of game. Looked very out of sorts, confused, and didn't know where he was going. Our linebackers didn't shoot, the, shoot their gaps like they should have as well. There was pressure on the quarterback. Um, but ultimately, once again, they still held them a lot. I think Kevin talked about it before the show. Um, this, that first few quarters, and their, their defense was dominant. I think we scored so fast, so quick. The defense was so dominant, even after the the um, the the, uh, um, the 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 flump, the the muff punt. I mean, they thought this game was over with it, no matter what, and they kind of just started started coasting, and it came back to bottom in the second quarter. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that. Jalen Carter, we're missing Jalen Carter on the field. Uh, typically, you got two guys that are blocking him, which allows our linebackers to hit those gaps, and there just wasn't any. Uh, and, and it showed up in the running game for Kent State. I mean, they gashed us over and over and over. So uh, we got to get him back. Uh, he's a key piece to the to the defensive line. That is for sure. Uh, let's hit some of these comments before I forget here. Uh, Hunter Ivy says, I love McDonkey, but he must have partied with the Kool Aid man all night. <laughs> yep, we said the same thing, but it wasn't the Kool Aid man we thought he partied with. Um, <laughs> he has a he has a cute girlfriend. Um, I agree, I agree with uh, what the else Hunter says here. Mizzou better watch out because uh, mm-hmm. Lad's missing to have the game of his life. Yep, totally agree. I, I, mean, I hate to keep banging on him, but I've never seen a player. In any single game, have a bad game like that. Yeah, I've seen guys drop passes or have fumbles and stuff, but to have that many bad things happen to you in one single game, mm-hmm. it, I was I was almost embarrassed for him. Like I wanted to go give him a hug, you know, right? Yeah. So I've never seen anything like that before. So like I think like Kevin's right. It's going to be a one and done, and he'll be back on par here soon. Sonner says, "No need to panic or worry. This will be a wake up call for the boys, and the dogs are better than that. I totally agree." And he says, hopefully the Kent State game will be a swift kick in the butt. And these guys realize if they don't play the UGA standards, they can be beat. Yeah. We said that we were talking the same thing, Hunter. Is a, thank God we were playing Kent State and not, you know, Florida or, um, gosh, Mississippi State or somebody like that who could have just throttled us when we made that type, those types of mistakes. So totally agree. I think Matt touched on this before. This is a product of their youth. I think their youth was uh, their downfall in this game. These guys don't have – you know, we are missing. that. And this game showed it. We're missing how many guys went into the draft this past year. Uh, we were missing them. They, know, they knew you can't take anything lightly. You have to go out and play every game like it's the last one. And these guys have come in and just – you know, they started playing with that standard at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and now it's like – they they feel like it's oh well this is just gonna come to us they're just gonna mm-hmm. give it to us mm-hmm. and that's a product of youth uh, you just get that 
lacks attitude, lacks mentality. You lose your focus because you're just young and you think you're better than the next guy that's standing in front of you. And the other, what they don't realize is the next guy in front of you wants to prove that they're better than you. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. they were feeling some of that on Saturday. Yeah, and I they, totally they agree. Go out, they go out and get drunk and party and get in trouble. Exactly. Yep. yep. That that just shows you where the priority is. That's for sure. Um, yep. Well, uh, let's see. Do you guys feel like that maybe we should be using Dejon Edwards more than what we are? Um, I mean, I I like Kendall Milton, but it seems like all you got to do is just grab him by the shoestrings and he's going down. Um, I don't feel that way about Dejon Edwards. I mean, he feel I feel like he runs violent. He hits the holes, and then once he hits the holes, he breaks tackles. It seems like to me, Kendall Milton, and I hate to, to, to bang on the kid, but he just hesitates. Every single time you put the ball in his hands, it's two steps and wait. And I know that might be their training. That might be how they're there. But, I mean, I remember seeing James Cook do the same thing in years past. Now, last year I don't remember him doing it as much. But in years past, he would hit, he would do two-step stutter and then, you know, get creamed. And I'm like, dude, you just got to hit the hole and go, you know. And uh, it, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm looking at things wrong. I and mean, I, I know I don't know anything about football, and I'm just – we're just doing this for fun. But – Every time Dejon Edwards gets out there, it seems like he is running with a purpose, and uh, he's going to hit somebody and hit somebody hard. Yeah, it makes you wonder where he stands, and is it a uh, playbook issue? Do you not know enough of the playbook? Are you not as versed in the amount of plays that are, are called or, or what? Because he does, to me, he does look like he runs with more power. Maybe that's not what it is in practice. Maybe maybe uh, Milton is firing through the holes in practice, and then he just gets in the game and just gets those game, in-game jitters. But you would think that if that continues to happen, that they would make a change. But like you when said. It, when it comes down to a true running back, he is our number one true running back. You put the ball in that guy's hand. Dejan? Yes. Yeah, yeah Dejan runs with a, a vengeance. Yes. And I just don't see that from the other two guys. I would disagree. Well, I think you're, I think your best running back. Well, that's why we got us all on here, so somebody yeah. can disagree with us. We can't all agree. <laughs> yep. Right. I, I think I think I think McIntosh is. He's, I mean, I think if he didn't have even have the passing game, he would still be your number one running back. And you watch those games. He only had like four carries last game, and all of four of those carries were like six, seven, eight yards. You know, and he was running hard and running quick. And I agree with you. Dejon has a quickness about him. His top end speed is not there. He's not going to outrun a safety. He's not going to do that. But you said you're right. Aggressiveness, vision, he has that. Uh, Milton's problem to me is that, I mean, he has that strength. And you're right. Someone grabs a shoelace and he falls down every time it feels like it is. Um, but Milton's thing is that he wants to always run up the middle or run, you know, mm-hmm. right around that tackle. Mm-hmm. He has too many times where he, if he goes around that tight end on the outside, he is gone. Yep. He's trying to cut it back to, to offset those 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 um the the defensive backs or whatever the secondary coming across, cutting off their angles by cutting back on them. But he just needs to keep going outside and gaining those yards. And is that a product? Uh, sorry, Matt. Is that a product of his uh, injuries where uh, he missed so much time? He's just inexperience of being in a game. You think that's just showing? I don't know. I mean, like last year, some of his biggest runs when he went, he eventually got outside on it. I just don't think he trusts himself to get outside. So maybe your answer, the answer to your question is yes. I don't think he trusts his speed to get outside. But we see he has once he starts going, he has the speed. He just has to build. Like I said, Ryan said he doesn't build up that speed from the the running. It's that mm-hmm. delayed handoff, and he hesitates to wait for the hole to open. And he's not like Dejan who can squeeze through those little who squeezes those little small gaps. And high between those tackles and the guards, he he he's a big body. He's like I'm gonna say he reminds me of Richard Samuel, this huge running back who needs to play linebacker. Yeah. All right. One more question before we get off the Kent State bandwagon and move forward. Um, 
After four games, what concerns do you have of this team? Youth. That's Matt, mine. Just the youth? Yeah. Uh, Lassiter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lassiter in the star position now, because now we're going into our third our third stringer on, on, on star position. Yeah, that's a, that was so my next question, is who replaces Bullard now? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing hopefully um, uh, t- does it Tyke Smith will be – Eventually, be healthy enough to get in there and play. I don't. I don't know. Maybe one of these. Yeah. Maybe one of these freshmen who's who's played pretty well. I think was it um, uh, Ever Everton. How do you say his name? Ever uh, Evert, the new freshman came in. Yeah. I, I mean, he plays the corner, but he's been playing the best out of all the other freshmen so far. I I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the what the answer is. They they, they have a solution for it. They got. I uh, would. It would not surprise me to see him move Chris Smith up. To be honest with you. And uh, and then bring Tyke, put him at corner, and then put um, um, Starks back there as safety, and then move Dan Jackson over into Chris Smith Chris Smith spot. That's that's really what I expect to happen. But it would it would surprise me. For you guys that don't know, if you hadn't been watching the news, Javon Bullard got arrested on uh, I guess it was on Saturday night after the game. Saturday night, or, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. morning. Yeah, three o'clock in the morning. He was uh, drinking underage. Uh, he wasn't really drunk, but if you drink underage and you drive, you're going to be arrested for DUI. So he was driving without his headlights on, had his cell phone up to his ear. They just threw the book at him like they do in Athens Clark. They just throw the book at the football players, and they do it to everybody. It's just it's not just not just the football players. They, they don't discriminate. Um, if you're a student at UGA, you're going to get every charge you can possibly get um, thrown at you. So good rule of thumb is just don't be out after midnight, and then you don't run into those issues. So, well, guys, any final thoughts on the Kent State game before we, uh, we flush it down the toilet with old uh, Kool-Aid man? I think we beat that drum enough. Yep, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, let's get into uh, the Missouri game. What do you say? Let's roll them highlights. You go on the road in the SEC, it's always tough. I think um, going to Columbia, Missouri has been an adventure. I think every time we've been up there, you get in these hard-fought battles. Here he goes, 10, 5, 3, pylon. Georgia's running the other way with the football. Tyson Campbell's going to go all the way into the end Pitch zone. Pitch to McIntosh, right side. The- They're going to play you tough. They're going to play you physical. Just a huge atmosphere of any SEC East opponent or any away game in the SEC. A lot of intensity throughout the whole situation, especially especially being a night game. It's one of those games that we got to really lock in. It's really hard. You got to be locked in and dialed into the, your, your job. Well, put our head down, get back to work, and get ready to play this um, upcoming Saturday. the exact same standard that we want to continue to be successful and continue to climb to get to where we want to be. Good deal, good deal. I always love the the game highlight, the game trailers that uh, the the production crew puts together. It's a lot of fun to watch those. Uh, Just wish they would drop the one with the, the voiceover earlier in the week so we could show it on the show, but it is what it is. So Columbia, Missouri, uh, two reasons why I like Columbia, Missouri. Uh, number one, my wife's grandparents are from that area. And then number two, my favorite car, uh, NASCAR driver is from Columbia, Missouri, old Carl Edwards. So love, like, uh, like talking about Columbia. But, uh, of course, you guys know the uh, – coach is Elia Drinkwitz and everybody calls him Eli and he hates it if you don't know that already <laughs> uh, catch some of his uh, his press conferences he'll he'll tell you that he is not Eli he's Elia uh, you guys haven't met this guy he is considered one of the best offensive minds in football I have not seen that yet but he is considered that uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with uh, with Missouri 
course, you guys know, and we're going to cover him a little bit later, that Luther Burden that uh, uh, Georgia went after last year really, really hard, and they drafted him. They were able to – not draft him. They were able to sign him. Uh, that was the highlight of their – I think it was their 2021 class, maybe? Is that what it was? So, um, was it 2022 class? Okay, 2022 class. So, yeah. So, uh, obviously, he came from Appalachian State. Um, had one season over there, and I don't really think that he was all that great over there. But before that, he was at NC State as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, was at NC State for about four years, I think. And uh, NC State, you know, always seems to have a pretty good offense, no matter who is um, directing that program. So I did a little digging on uh, on the mascot uh so mizzou also has a tiger uh, we play so many teams with tiger mascots we can't keep up with them lsu has a tiger clemson has a tiger auburn has a tiger mizzou has a tiger uh the mizzou tiger's name is truman uh the, the name came uh because of a 1984 contest held by the cheerleaders and that's how they decided what the name of the tiger was but he looks pretty weird, in my opinion. But the only other tiger that looks any worse is the Clemson tiger. <laughs> kind of scary. That looks like something you have my nightmares about. Like a cracked out cat. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Matt, take it away, man. Tell, tell us a little bit about the Missouri offense, what we need to expect. All right. So we have their starting quarterback here. His name is um, uh, Bradley Cook. He's thrown for 805 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. He also does rush the ball sometimes, too, for them. He's got 150-plus yards rushing for them. So um, that's a that's a good, decent amount for a quarterback uh, who mainly is a passer um, for, their, for their, um, their school. He didn't have any rushing yards last week, so that tells you the majority of that rushing ability came in the first three games. So, he has he has some some legs on him, I guess we'd like to say uh, Bennett does. So he's not he's a very middle of the grade average quarterback. Uh, he's a sophomore, so he's still learning um, some of the offense for himself as well. Uh, then we got there there are two running backs we have. We got first one is uh, Nathaniel Pete, which is their their main guy. He's got the most yards for them. Uh, it's two hundred and twenty five yards. Um, and he has uh, one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown. Not a whole lot of receiving yards. Um, he only like about 50, about 49 uh, actually receiving yards. So not a lot there with that, but he still is a weapon also out of the backfield on the passing game. Uh, he's a senior, uh, like his, his counterpart as well. The other running back they have who, who helps share the carries as well there, which is um, – uh, Cody, he is um, also a senior running back. Um, he's got about 173 yards rushing. Um, he has more touchdowns with three with three touchdowns in um, so far this season. So they're they're a pretty balanced offense when it comes to um, how they how they produce their yardage. Like I said, not a whole bunch of yards either way, or passing or or, or running, but um, pretty balanced as well. Um, and here's their re receiver they have. This is uh, Dominic. Uh, um, uh, love it. Sorry. apologize. And so he is uh, right, right now. He has like 376 yards and two touchdowns so far this year. He is the number one receiver in the SEC for yardage. You would never have guessed that, but he has. He is cranking over 100 yards per game. Um, if you watch the game last week, he's the no, for them. He's the one who put the, them in the opportunity to they should have won the game with that uh, back shoulder fade that he caught on the sideline down there by the five yard line. Um, so, I mean, he is so far, he's really, he's not super big. I think he's around six foot tall, um, you know, about 200 pounds. He's not a huge, a huge wide receiver, but has really excellent hands and his ability to get his, his body in the right areas to make some good, um, pretty good catches. So he will be a, a weapon that we will have to keep and keep a tab on. Uh, the other guy we have up here as well is someone Brian just talked about a little bit ago, um, Luther Burden. The third, if you I guess you care about that kind of stuff, he is actually uh, questionable for this game. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of yards receiving right now. I think he's around 70-ish yards, 78 yards, one touchdown. 
Um, he's got one touchdown rushing and one touchdown um, touchdown receiving. Uh, not a huge display of his talent so far, but this is a guy that everybody went after, like Brian said. We went after him hard. Alabama did. Clemson did. Ohio State did. He was the number one receiver in the country, uh, the number three overall player in the country. So everybody wanted this guy, but he decided to stay home in Missouri and play for his home team. You can't fault the guy for that. The only thing I fault for him is his common sense and picking a quarterback to be his quarterback who's not very good. So, um, but uh, he's questionable for the game. If he does get in the game, he does a lot of different things. He rushes the ball. He receives. He, he does special teams. He's usually all over the field. He's their Swiss Army knife, if you want to say it by that means. So, ultimately, all, the offense is not super electric, uh, but they can move the ball if they need to. They're very, they're very well balanced. And they'll be at home. So, with a good home crowd, the number one team coming to town, it should be pretty rowdy for them uh, when it comes time for their offense to be on the field. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so, looking at the weather, it looks like the high uh, for that day is supposed to be 78, 76 degrees. I think that's going to be great game time. Um, obviously, there won't be any any humidity there in Columbia, but uh should be great weather for football. 76 degrees for the high, 48 for the low. It'll probably be closer to 50 50 highs of 50s by the time the game starts at seven. That's right. So That's maybe right. five degrees. Oh, I love it, y'all. I love yep. the. Yep, it's going to be great, great football <laughs> weather. <laughs> Kevin, you got the defense, man. What you got? Yeah, I was touching on a couple of guys here that uh, stood out to me. Uh, one is uh, Tyron Hopper. Uh, he's a junior linebacker, 6'2, 224. Um, this guy has is a transfer from Florida, so he is accustomed to playing the dogs on a regular basis. Um, probably going to know the ins and outs, seen them before, seen it time and time again. Uh, this guy is pretty dynamic. Um, he has 26 tackles on a year with two sacks and an interception. Um, he is also the leading tackler on this team, uh, and uh, he had a huge game against Auburn this past week uh, with 10 tackles. Uh, as you watch this guy, this guy is flying all over the field. Um, pretty dynamic uh, linebacker uh, is on right and uh, pretty sure he transferred out of Florida to kind of be seen. Um, but you got to watch out for this guy. We're going to, you know, you pretty much expect him to uh, be a thorn in our side when it comes to the running game. Uh, he's he's going to fill those holes really fast when they open up. So we're going to have to uh, put somebody on him to put a block on him if we're going to have anything to do in the running game. Um, the other guy I noted on is uh, Joseph Charleston. Uh, he's a junior. He's six foot. He's a DB, 195 pounds. He's actually from Georgia, from Milton, Georgia. Um, and this guy is a Clemson transfer. Um, so he's also seen the dogs play. He, he was there at Clemson last year when we played him in the season opener. And he actually had uh, two tackles against the dogs in that game. Um, he is their second leading tackler on the team. He's got 19 tackles, one interception, and one touchdown. Um, and he had 10 tackles against Auburn as well. Uh, so this guy is going to be um, guy in that, in that backfield that um, we're going to have to take out of the play, you know, especially on those, you know, deep balls or crossing routes. He's going to be there to, to cause a problem. Uh, third guy is Isaiah McGuire. Uh, he is a senior uh, defensive lineman, 6'4", uh, 275. Uh, last year, he started all the games for Mizzou. Uh, so this guy is well experienced. Uh, he's been there. He's seen it. Um, in 2021, he led Missouri in sacks and had 14 tackles for loss. Uh, you know, this year, he leads the team with three sacks and has two forced fumbles. So he's going to be a, a uh, person who's – who disrupts the line of scrimmage on a regular basis. Um, this, this defense though is, is 
the struggle. As you can tell, it's a bunch of transfers and pieced together um, bits and pieces. Uh, so they're not a cohesive bunch, but I think that they're going to be uh, well coached, and especially with this guy from Florida, they're going to know uh, be experienced with seeing the dogs and have a little uh, insight information there. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this video here is the interception for the touchdown. It was kind of just thrown to him. So it's, it's going to get better and better. So I, I really uh, excited for him. And then he had the thing that we didn't have to deal with, the NILs and the... This is intercepted. Joseph Charleston all the way back for a touchdown. How about that? That's fine. Did you know 92% of the time when defense scores a touchdown, they win the football game? So let's see if that holds true. That's exactly right. That's an amazing stat, but uh, you know, it's, it's reality of it. That's uh, the impact that that has on, uh, on, on the team. If you look there, the defensive lineman got in and tipped the ball. This is what we're going to have to deal with, and, and these defensive linemen know how to get in and disrupt the play. So we're going to have to – our offense is going to have to step up their game, keep them pushed back, keep them out of Stetson Bennett's way, and open up holes for our running game. If we can do that, uh, we, we should expect another big game like we had against Oregon and uh, in South Carolina. Good deal, good deal. Well, let's get into those uh, week five matchups and let's uh, let's make some predictions. What do you say? Let's get on it. So, first up on the list, none other than the Tide against the Hogs. Kevin, what do you think about this one, buddy? Uh, this one is going to be crazy. I'm just going to tell you, they're going to be playing in Arkansas. Uh, you know, everybody knows. Arkansas is coming off a heartbreaking loss to Texas A&M. Uh, this knocked them out of their top 10 rankings. Uh, and they're going to be wanting to make a statement in this game. Uh, if you watch the sidelines at the end of that game, those guys were in tears. You would have thought they had lost the SEC championship game. These guys were broke down, just distraught that they lost this game. And I think that's going to say something. I think that's going to mean something to them to, to come back, especially going into this game with Alabama. And we know Alabama's riding high because they went in and beat Vanderbilt. And like, that's somebody. Um, so I think this is going to be a throwdown. It's going to be a full-on offensive battle. Uh, but... I think that this is going to be one of those times where Arkansas's defense steps up and plays. I think they're going to take a page out of uh, Texas' book because Texas kind of exposed Alabama on what they need to do. Uh, I don't think that's going to be lost on Sam Pittman. Um, I've got Arkansas winning this game in a close one, 41-39. to 39. Woo! Matt? <laughs> what you think, Matt? Um, I am also going to make it short and sweet. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to pick Alabama to win, even though it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, I don't think Arkansas's defense is as good as they were last year. I think we've seen that this year when allowing teams like South Carolina to come back on them and a, a very a, anemic offense like Texas A&M has to come, you know, to, to eventually win the game as well. I think uh, even though they're at home and I want them to win uh, a lot, I think um, Alabama is going to shut down their run game. And force him to pass, and you're going to see uh, their their Achilles heels. So I think Alabama's going to win the game. I don't. Uh, it could. I'm not sure about the score. To be honest with you, I think Alabama wins by ten points. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm on the fence with this one, man. I, I just don't. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, would uh, Arkansas win this? I would have said heck yeah, but. After their perform, after Alabama's performance against Vanderbilt, I know that Vanderbilt's nobody, but their offense was firing in all eight, man. Uh, and I just don't see that Alabama, I mean that Arkansas has the defense to slow down Alabama's offense. And for that reason, I'm going to go with the Tide on this one. I think they're going to easily win it, maybe by two touchdowns. 
See, I knew y'all were going to both go with Alabama, so I had to be different. That's yeah, right. no worries. No worries. <laughs> all right, all right. Ole Miss. Uh, Kentucky versus Ole Miss. Let me hear you, Matt, first. Go. I mean, is Ole Miss the Jekyll Hyde so far this year? Like, they look like world beaters in one game. Then they look, they look very lethargic, and they go back to looking really good, and they're very lethargic. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not super impressed yet with with Kentucky. I know everybody loves Kentucky; they love their quarterback. I'm still not impressed yet with their quarterback and then their team themselves. Um, I won't, I won't Arkansas. I'm sorry, I won't uh, Kentucky to win it. I really do because I just don't like Lane Kiffin. So I'm gonna pick Kentucky from my heart, not not from my head, and say Kentucky wins it by three points. Cool, cool. I like it, Kevin. What you think, buddy? Well, this is going to be the first ranked team that Ole Miss has played all season. Um, but also, Kentucky's coming off a struggle win three weeks ago in Florida. It's 26-16. And a struggle win against Northern Illinois, 31-23. to I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, per se. Um, and I think that Kentucky's going to end up pulling it out in the, win, with, in the end. Um, probably by, you know, like a touchdown. I got them like 28-21, Kentucky. I got you. Yeah, I I think Kentucky can pull this off. And I, and the reason I say that is their defensive line is just dominant. And so I think because of that, I, I think I'm going to go with Kentucky. Uh, but look for Lane Kiffin to pull out all the stops in this thing and make it close. So I'm going to go with Kentucky by three, um, but it's going to be a close one. It's going to be going to be a knockdown drag out, that's for sure. Wouldn't surprise me either way. Yep, absolutely. Do we have any predictions off the last two games for anybody else? Uh, just uh, Hunter, Ivey. Hunter, Hunter Ivey. He says Ole Miss wins 34 to 28. He also um, said Arkansas was going to win 38-35. Yep, he sure did. 38 to 35. But I think uh, I think the Ole Miss and Kentucky game is going to be closer than that. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, Kevin, what you think about the uh, what you think about the NC State Clemson game? Oh, the one that no SEC fan really cares anything about. But I think it's going to be. <laughs> uh, I I think it's going to be a. Um, unbalanced game for the most of it. Uh, I think that it's going to probably um, NC State's going to probably jump out to a lead and they're going to let Clemson kind of creep back in. Um, but, I mean, if you look back, NC State's biggest game they've played so far is Texas Tech and they barely beat Texas Tech 27-14. Um, Clemson's biggest test was Wake Forest and that was a win for the end of 51-45. So this is going to be just kind of a throwdown. And honestly, it took me just – I just threw in the hat and tried to pick a winner on this one. I think NC State's going to win 32-21. I like it. I like it. Matt, what you think, buddy? I'll, just go, I'll go with Clemson's defense and say Clemson wins it by uh, 10 points. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with NC State on this one. I think they're going to figure out a way to take care of DJ – we messed it all up on Um He is going to crumble in this game, and uh, I think his true his true sh- uh, colors are going to show. Um, and he is he's going to they're going to basically going to have to bring in a backup quarterback after this game and make a change. They got to, and uh, they barely pulled it off last week. I don't know how they won it last week, but uh, you can only win so many games by the skin of your teeth and I don't think that they can do it. I think NC State wins this one and I think they I think NC State wins it big. I'm gonna go two touchdowns on NC State. I think they take care of Clemson and uh and and uh become the juggernaut in the uh the ACC. If you can even phrase it that way for being the ACC. That's right. Hunter Ivy says, sweet baby Jesus, please let NC State win. My hate for all titles run deep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
I love it. All right. Let's get to the next one here. LSU versus Auburn. Matt, what you think? Speaking of the Tigers, uh, Auburn is complete trash. So LSU will win this game, even though I can't stand Brian Kelly. LSU will win this game, I think, substantially. I say LSU wins it by 17 points because ultimately that that team has given up on that coach. They were lucky to win last week, and they know it. And I think they're just gonna go, they're just gonna try to escape out this fifth straight home game, um, and I think LSU wins it. Yeah, I totally agree. LSU is definitely gonna take this one. Uh, Auburn has got to be the luckiest freaking team in the world, man. I mean, it, I I don't know how they pulled that one off, but just absolutely lucky. Kevin, what you got, buddy? I gotta agree with both of you. I mean, LSU's coming uh, after their opening loss to FSU. Uh, they begun to right the ship, uh, you might say. Uh, wins over Southern University, 65-17, Mississippi State, 31-16, and New Mexico, 38-0. And then Auburn's coming off of a struggle win against Missouri, 17-14. Um, you know, Auburn's struggling to find traction, and I think Harson is just – sitting there waiting to be fired so he can collect that check and he doesn't really care what happens to that program to be honest with you he's just putting on a facade so i got uh lsu winning big 36 to 17. cool cool yeah I, i'm uh, i'm with you i think lsu wins big on this one too um and i honestly thought ron harson would be fired by the time that he came to georgia but I, now i'm not really so sure i hadn't Kind of changed my tune on that one a little bit but he is definitely a lame duck coach that's for sure that is for sure all right and the game that we all want to talk about well here's a prediction before we get into that let's see hunter ivy says auburn is by far the worst team in the conference lsu wins big 45 to 13. i like it i like it The game we all want to talk about is the Dogs vs. Tigers. Um, that got on your So, um, I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> no, um, so my prediction, really, I think we're going to get back on track. I think the defense is going to have some first quarter um ground to kind of get in the in the mood and get where they're at. I think basically the, I mean we may see Missouri have a few first downs in the first quarter. Um but I think they gain the Georgia gains traction second quarter the rest of the game. Um I'm going with a forty one ten Georgia Bulldogs. Wow. Big number. So you think Georgia covers the twenty eight? Yes. I think the offense will be back on I me. Mean, I no one has stopped the offense yet. The only place that people have stopped the offense is ourselves. I think we're going to score points. I think once against SEC game, they know it means something. It has purpose. The offense is going to be on 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 full, you know, full throttle. They don't have any parties to go to afterwards. They will be ready to go at that seven seven thirty opening, and they are going to be ready to embarrass this team. So they because they they all believed in the hype when it came in, right? They're number one team. Mm-hmm. They're the best team that ever existed. Everybody keeps saying all these great things. Listen to the media and. We did the same thing. We spent half the show last week just just making fun of Kent State, and look what they did. That's on us too, right? Drinking the Kool Aid. And so, I mean, I mean, we think they're always great, but we're Georgia fans. I mean, we're we're biased, right? But <laughs> they see that, and now they're hearing, oh, Georgia's not that great anymore. Maybe they shouldn't be number one anymore. And so now they got to go out and prove something. And they're, I think, they are going to make a statement with this game. Yes, they may score ten points, or maybe you know, maybe less than that. I'm I'm saying ten, but they're still going to beat them by thirty points. And it won't matter. Yeah, Kevin, what you think, buddy? You know, it, it's one of those deals that you, it's kind of sad when you, you – what was that, like a 17-point win that we had? Is that right? They got the score right? Anyway, it's sad when we don't think that that's a big win, even though it was against Kent State and it should have been a blowout. Still a good win. Um, the more I looked around the media – the Georgia fans were the ones that were the biggest uh, 
biggest ones uh, to talk down on this program to say they shouldn't be number one. The media, everywhere I looked, said this program is still number one. They're still the elite team that everybody thinks they are. Um, and until somebody beats the champ, they should still be the champ. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, this this team right here, this is, they're going to go into Missouri. They have no distractions. They're not going to be in Athens. Like Matt said, they're not going to have any parties to go to afterwards. They're going to be focused. I think Stetson Bennett said it last, the best last week. He said this team was asleep. He said nobody was awake for this game. And I think it showed. We all saw it. This is going to be the team that we saw play in Oregon. This is going to be the team that we saw playing in South Carolina. They're going to go in and take Missouri to task. The offense is going to be firing all on all cylinders. I don't think you're going to see those same careless mistakes that you saw, especially from McConkey. He's going to be dialed in, ready to go. Um, of course, it seems like always every game Brock Bowers is dialed in, ready to go. You never see him slip up one time, and I'm going to knock on some wood. Yes, I was just fit to say that. Please knock on some wood. That way, that doesn't <laughs> happen. And I got my dog barking in the background. Yeah, Mar- Miley. Yep. And uh, so I think this is going to be uh, a blowout win. I've got the dogs winning big, forty-two to six. I like it. I like it. Well, I was going to say this around the same thing. I think the dogs blow them out too. I, I was going to go 45 to six, but uh, yeah, we're definitely coming out to make a statement. Um, there's it's, it's going to be correction time and uh, we're going to drop the hammer on Missouri and come out with a big win. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, guys, Matt, you got anything? No, I mean, just, uh, I'm just ready. I'm ready to watch a night game. I love watching night games. Uh, I wish it was in Athens, but, it is what it is. Um, I love to see some more predictions out there from for this game. I haven't seen any from any other people watching. So if you got a prediction, I'd love to hear what yours are as well. Yeah, absolutely. Ken Lalonde says he's going 45-3 dogs. Hunter Ivy says, thank God we won't have a 12 o'clock kickoff. Kirby is pissed the team and Kirby is pissed the team is pissed after last week's performance. UGA wins huge 51 to 3. Kirby has cut the Kool-Aid off. Yeah, we definitely need to cut that fountain machine off that is for dang sure because i drank a lot of it um but uh yeah kevin you got any final thoughts bud no i think i about shared mine but i think that uh you've seen the end of the uh the woes the the lackadaisical attitude when they come out i think that they have figured out that you cannot come out and just wait for somebody to lay down and let you win the game and uh, like I said, that's just a product of youth. Um, and I think that, you know, I read something that John Akaki said earlier this week. This is a product of these guys. We're in, what is this, week five we're in? He said, these guys have never worked this hard in their lives. And he said, these are all young guys. They're going to class. They're having to go every day to practice. Uh, they barely have any time to eat or sleep. And it's starting to show. And I think that it's um, – product of scheduling and figuring out your schedule and i think that they'll get it dialed in after this this wake-up call that they had this past week yep totally agree well guys uh great show glad to have everybody on uh looking forward to getting in there to missouri uh going into columbia grabbing that tight by the tail pulling him on back to athens with a big win hey guys if you don't know if you have a friend, family member that loves the dogs, invite them to the Middle Georgia Dog Pound page. We'd love to hear from you. Join into the discussion, and we will see you guys next week when we come back to recount the win against the Missouri Tigers. Look forward to talking to you, and go dogs! Go dogs! Oh.